Rhythms of the Heart. Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. I'm Stephen Clark. Heart rhythm problems, or arrhythmias, occur when the electrical impulses that coordinate your heartbeats don't work properly. This can cause your heart to beat too fast, too slow, or in an irregular fashion. A fluttering or racing heart may be harmless, or it may affect your lifestyle, or it may be life-threatening. With us today to discuss heart arrhythmias is Dr. Selim Baghdadi, an electrophysiologist at SBH Health System. Welcome, Dr. Baghdadi. Good morning, welcome everyone. So, so, so let's start out um, in layman's terms, when we talk about heart rhythms, what are we talking about? We're talking about the way the heart beat. Usually the heart beat in normal fashion. I usually describe it to my patient like a rhythm. I you hear the rhythm going and regular at time expected. So any time there is any abnormal rhythm that called arrhythmia. So arrhythmia is not normal rhythm, not the normal the way the heart beat. And the arrhythmia could the heartbeat could be described as fast as low, and sometimes it could be normal range of heart rate, but could be abnormal beating. So all this considered like arrhythmia, and this is what I specialize in this treatment of those arrhythmia. Okay, so um, what is the normal heartbeat at, at, at rest? So normal heartbeat, what the doctor would call it, is a big term, normal size rhythm between 60 to 100 beats per minute. What does that mean? That means the heart is beating regularly at a rate like six, 60 beat to 100 beat per minute. That the, the rate usually varies on the situation the person is. So if the patient is sleeping, relaxing, as a person sleeping or relaxing, it could be hard, it could be at about 50, 40, that's normal, even though that's considered abnormal in other situation. However, if the person is excited, happy, or exercising height could be about 100 beats per minute. And depending on the situation that consider normal or abnormal. A lot of time I get people calling me, my heart is 110, 120, I'm worried. Well, when I asked him, what are you doing? He said, I was climbing the stairs, I was running to see a friend, and that's normal way of being 120 beats per minute. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a, a formula that calculates the maximum heart rate of the person. Usually it's 220 minus the age. That's why people go to the gym and they give you a, a, a heart rate when you go on the elliptical or treadmill. Right. Usually applying this, you have to put your age in and they give you the normal heart rate. So it's all depend on the situation. However, as a person sitting watching TV and they're very relaxed, all of a sudden the heart rate goes to 120, 150, that abnormal. So it's all right. situational, okay. but between okay. 40 to... Uh, I would say between 50 to 100 that considered normal range. Okay. Now, as, as an electrophysiologist, where do you fit in the equation? Now, if you if you're concerned about your your, your rate of your heart your heart rate, you go to your primary care physician. They would refer you to a cardiologist, right? And then the cardiologist would refer them to you. Is that how it typically work? Correct. So usually, whenever we suspect any arrhythmia, the first, the first thing people should see is to seek medical attention depend on the level they are depend a lot of people they feel abnormal they go straight to the emergency room because they're worried especially if something has to do with the heart some people who feel comfortable they can wait it out they go to their primary care doctor and some people 
that they know about my field, they come straight to me or go to cardiology. What's really important thing of management is seeking medical attention. Doesn't matter where, is it a hospital or urgent care center, or primary care doctor. Most doctors, when they hear about that, the first thing they would do, they would take a, a detailed history about the symptoms and they do EKG. EKG is a very simple test that I think most, most people had it done part of their life, which is just putting electrode and measuring the heartbeat. And that test gives us a lot of information about the heart rhythm. And based on that, if it's normal, usually for primary care doctor or that will reassure the patient and tell them oh, everything is okay, you don't need to worry about it. Or if it's abnormal, then they will refer it to the uh, either cardiologist, either straight to me, based on the rhythm, I, based on, on the heart rate and symptoms. Okay, so typically, um, are more people likely to go for a physical exam and then find out they have an irregular heartbeat or do they have symptoms typically? Okay, usually, typically, when any symptoms uh, usually have, when it starts, usually have some uh, symptom, any abnormal arrhythmia, let's say any arrhythmia a person has, it has a symptoms. Per, depending on the person who's looking for it, some people, the arrhythmia is so fast, it happens very fast, and they feel sudden change, they will seek medical attention. Some arrhythmia is not that bad, and probably a lot of people, they have it for a while before going to the doctor and doing an EKG or something, realize something abnormal with their heart rhythm, and that's how they figure it out. And when you go back and ask him, did you feel short breath when you walk? He said, yeah, doc, the last year and a half, I didn't feel myself, but I attributed it because I'm getting old or something like that. So most are, I believe, all me has symptoms. People, the way perceive them is, is, is vary from person to person. But usually okay. we picked up a lot of arrhythmia based on just routine screening for EKG. A lot of time people go for surgery, they need to have an EKG, or as long as they have abnormal EKGs, they come to us. Okay. What, what are some of the common signs? I mean, you talk about shortness of breath. What else may you have that would indicate it? Okay, so the problem? most common arrhythmia. Okay, so anything related to the heart could be attributed to arrhythmia. So the most common presentation that people come to me for either palpitation they feel like have a skipped heartbeat or feel the heart racing that for fast heartbeat sometimes they feel uh, dizzy or sometimes even fainting or passing out they get referred to me and then we do the no the testing to find out what it is there's a lot of symptoms that could explain to me for example chest pain uh you mentioned an in introduction fluttering of the heart a fluttering sensation shorter breaths when they walk, uh, dizziness, passing out, all this considered. So any symptomal exertion of short breath, any symptoms that relate to the heart could be explained by arrhythmia. Uh, we do tend to rule out the most common causes of those symptoms. Usually most common causes of coronary artery disease, as for layman term, is the blocked artery. But most of the time, it could be not it, could be arrhythmia, and that's how we treat it. Okay. Now, uh, some of the terms that I've heard of before, just so if we can explain it, uh, tachy tachycardia or bradycardia. W what do those terms mean? Okay. So, doctor used big words just to sound smart, but technically, tachycardia means cardia mean heart, and tachy mean fast. I'm not a Latin expert, but I think the origin maybe is Latin. So, fast heartbeat. 
Brady means slow and cardia is hard, so it means slow heart, slow heartbeat. So usually terms that people of the trade, you know, they use it, the doctor use it to explain to as a person what what it is. So sometimes, as I mentioned, some tachycardia are very normal, what we call a sinus tachycardia. And there's something, uh, bradycardia, we call sinus bradycardia, depend on uh, the, the context of it. So you can have an athlete who exercise five days a week or uh, a professional athlete with heart rate of 40, even 30s, which is considered to normal person, a person who have a heart rate of 30, they'll be feeling, they're feeling very bad, short breath, they may pass out with this heart rate. Meanwhile, a person who, a basketball player or a runner, heart rate of 30, that's a normal for them. So it's a, it's, it's a consider, it's the term itself doesn't mean they have a disease, right. it means it describing how the heart is doing. So bradycardia okay. and tachycardia could be normal, could be abnormal. Okay, and another term that is familiar, I think, out there, out there is AFib or atrial fibrillation. Explain that if you could. Okay, so the, most of the uh, AFib actually is a very common disease. It's uh, estimated that uh, people who above in the 80s, they have a 20% 20% of the population has this rhythm, and it's a very common disease. We see it in young people, we see it in old people. Technically, atrial fibrillation means the heart beating irregularly. So, as I say, the heart beat in rhythm, like a normal rhythm on time. However, in atrial fibrillation, or regular heartbeat beat irregularly, irregular. That's the way when we listen to a heart, we describe it a lot of time. You see, and you look at doctor notes, it says irregularly irregular rhythm. That's mean suggestive of atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation, as I say, very common disease. Uh, it's very important to know about it because besides the symptomatic of it, you know, as I mentioned before, the palpitation, the dizziness, the shorter breath when they walk, the tired and the fatigue, it's also a high risk for stroke. So a lot of time, the way we treat the disease, we treat the symptom, and we want to prevent the stroke, which is a very simple thing to do by taking a blood thinner that we give it to our patient. Every, almost every person who has this irregular heartbeat gets a blood thinner, technically to prevent them from having a stroke. And plus, we try to treat them for their symptoms. Okay. Okay. Now, ventricular fibrillation is 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 like a, a widow maker right that that's deadly correct uh ventricular fibrillation is one of the worst uh, arrhythmia that a person can have and uh, usually it has to be dealt with it right away and usually it's deadly however uh our technology we can identify the patient that are high risk for it and we do have a treatment to prevent people from dying suddenly there's something sudden cardiac death. A lot of people you hear about that. They were okay, all of a sudden they passed away. And usually the cause of deaths usually most people attributed to heart attack. Maybe the initial cause, but most people that the way they die suddenly it's from arrhythmia. And that arrhythmia called one of them ventricular fibrillation when the heart technically is not pumping blood. And if the as you know, it's not blood, it's not oxygenated blood, not going to the to the if not going to the body, people will die. So that treatment usually is defibrillator. 
when if you've seen in movies when they take two pads and they shot the person to right, bring him back right. to life that the treatment so we do over here at uh, Barnabas uh, for people who have high risk of ventricular fibrillation and those people come two varieties the most common variety for people who have a weak heart and we know those people who have a weak heart they tend to have a ventricular arrhythmia so we do give them a defibrillator after we give them treatment and where those people who survived Southern cardiac deaths, people who we know they had ventricular fibrillation were resuscitated either in the field or in the hospital, they get the defibrillator because the minute they have one episode, the chance of having second episode is very high. If we do have, we do saved, actually, I can mention a lot of patients of mine, uh, a story that uh, uh, actually started, actually I started working on the bottom in 2016 when I saw a young person who who was sleeping, his wife next to him uh, noticed that he breathing abnormally. So they called, she called EMS and she called the 911. 911 told her to her to do CPR. He wasn't responsive. They did CPR when the rhythm was ventricular fibrillation. He was shocked. He came to the hospital. Actually, he had a very long course, a hospital course. He stayed for 10 days. He needed to have a breathing tube. That's one permanent breathing tool they have to take it out. And uh, finally, when he got better, he's like 36 years old. You know, I met the family, I met this, and uh, we end up giving him a defibrillator. Uh, the reason I'm bringing the story, so most people who have those devices, they follow up with us on a regular basis, and all of a sudden, on one regular follow two years later, uh, he is, the wife come to me, he said, uh, remember when he first time had this disease? He was breathing the same way at night, and all of a sudden he went back back to normal breathing. When we checked his defibrillator, he did have another episode of interpretation that saved his life. Uh, so we, we do have something that really helped our patient to save life. Now he's a working person, you can see him selling clams on Arthur Avenue. And uh, he, every time, like the family has two kids, like we see with that, we're able to save his life once and twice, and hopefully he lived to see his kids grow up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's a great story. It, it leads me to the next question. Are there certain medical conditions that make you more susceptible to an arrhythmia like this? Okay, so uh, usually, usually what we call coronary disease is the most common disease that happens in our population, usually uh, what we call it a blocked artery. People who have a blocked artery, they have a arrhythmia. The heart. What happens is piece of the heart. When we have blocked artery, the heart doesn't get enough blood to the heart. The minute you have an area when it doesn't get enough supply, doesn't get enough oxygen, makes it arrhythmogenic. What does that mean? Make it prone to arrhythmia. And those most of the time that common. The other cause is Usually hypertension, usually the, if people drink alcohol a lot, cocaine causes it, uh, weak heart, uh, for whatever reason, could be viral infection, uh, could be what we call, sometimes unfortunately we see it, what we call postpartum cardiomyopathy when people have birth and they have a weak heart. All this can cause to uh, uh, put them on a high risk of uh, having uh, these arrhythmias, fatal arrhythmia. Usually, usually what we do when we find out about it, if they did not have 
theta arrhythmia, they only have a risk for it. We try to treat them with medicine and we see if that works. A lot of people who have a weak heart, when you treat them, like, you know, they have high blood pressure and cause the heart to be weak, then we control their blood pressure and the blood pressure improves the heart function, get better, and they don't need any further treatment. People who have block artery and the heart is weak because of that, we treat the, the block, we open the blockage, and people get the blood flow back and the heart gets stronger and doesn't work. It uh, doesn't need to go any further treatment doesn't need any further devices or another right. uh, thing. However, sometimes some people do need it who don't get improved in med medical management. Then we move ahead and give them to protect them one device. The other treatment that I usually use for those arrhythmia, there's an arrhythmia that people have, especially young people, uh, called SVT. A lot of times people call SVT, which is acronym for big word, supra supraventricular tachycardia. What does that mean? abnormal fast rhythm, abnormal fast beat. And sometimes the treatment, usually the medication does not help very well. We do have a treatment called ablation, which are procedures that we do that if a person have this type of arrhythmia, usually they have an extra wiring of the heart and with small procedure, usually most of the time is the ambulatory procedures. They come in one day to the hospital with a small catheter, we'll be able to get rid of it and they uh, live you know, usually the arrhythmia doesn't come back and they do very well. So it's we also do a one shot variety. deal. Ablation is a, 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 a one shot yeah. deal typically. Yeah, ablation technically is what does that mean? I just want to bring it up because this is another way of treating arrhythmia. Ablation means that uh, taking a small catheter, a small wire, if you see a small tube that we thread it through the groin, through the vein, to the heart, and on the tip of the heart of this, there's the radio frequency. Um, a source that heat up the tissue. When you heat up the tissue, it make it unable to form arrhythmia, and that's why how we treat the people who have a fast heartbeat. And again, uh, it's usually those people very symptomatic. They feel the heart going very fast. They feel dizzy. They feel very anxious. And the minute they get rid of them, they go back to their normal life as it never happened. That's one of the treatment that we do offer for those arrhythmia. Right, and I guess even before you get to the treatments, there are batteries of, of tests that you run as part of your studies, right? Correct, of course. Like, I mean, we do usually, it's, it's a treatment, usually any disease that you uh, you get to, doesn't matter whether it's a heart disease, kidney disease, lung disease, you need to make the diagnosis. And the 90% the of treatment, it's, I, I think, it, you have to make the diagnosis right before you approach a treatment. And when you make the diagnosis right, the treatment is very easy, you know, the best thing to do it. So to do to help us make diagnosis, usually the symptoms, the history is very important, the recurrence of the symptoms, the physical exam sometimes, it's very good. And as I said, the most valuable test that we do, which is an electrocardiogram, an ECG, which can be obtained anywhere, and that's going to tell us a lot. And then we do use, sometimes we need to make sure that the heart function is okay. We do ultrasound, which is a very safe test. Blood work also gets done. And sometimes for people who have certain arrhythmias, they need, may need to have a stress test or cardiac catheterization. So this is usually the test that we usually do. And it's all available here in our hospital. We can get done within like very fast to make the proper diagnosis in order to help our patient. And if they need further evaluation, 
we can afford it to them and we help them in any way with it. As, as again, always try to use the medication first. And if they need the, the procedure, we'll offer it to them and we'll help them with that. Okay. One, one thing we didn't talk about, just talk, we'll talk about now quickly, are pacemakers. Now, that's something that's very yes. common that we, we, know, yes. we all Actually, know someone we, who has a pacemaker. Tell us about that. Okay. So, usually, pacemaker is a very common, uh, you hear a lot of people has it. And the indication for pacemaker technically is a slow heartbeat. Okay. Usually, small, small heartbeat when the heart is not beating enough, fast enough to make people do their own work. Remember, we started that the normal heartbeat between 60 to 100. So you need 60 heartbeat to do your major your little daily activity, active activity. So, however, when you're sleeping a little bit, you don't need the heart as much. However, when people have this, they feel very tired when they have slow heartbeat. They're very weak. And sometimes, most of the patients, they come dizziness and sometimes passing out. And slow heartbeat could be permanent and could be occasional. And a lot of time we see it when the people have a long, we, we, one of the tests that we didn't talk about called Holter monitoring, was that technically they're wearing an EKG monitor for 24 hours and all of a sudden we see the heart doesn't beat for two or three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. Most people, when the heart doesn't beat for five seconds, they feel very dizzy and most of the time they faint. So those people, they do have, we do offer them uh, a pacemaker. A pacemaker, a simple, a simple device that we pull it usually in left upper shoulder, attached to, it's a technically a battery attached to wire that the wire gets to the heart, inside the heart, and monitor. So whenever we set it up, for example, if the heart goes below 60, I want to make the heart beat faster than that. So that's what it is. So some people, they do come with no heartbeat. So that's their source of light. It's very simple procedure, taking two hours to be done. And usually, again, usually we keep them in the house for one day and to monitor, to make sure that wire are stable in their precision. And sometime now, when they, if they come early, we let them go the same day. And it's a life-saving device, uh, a treatment uh, for this person who needs it. Unfortunately, people who require pacemaker, they need a pacemaker, there's no treatment that they can take at home to take it to make the heart go fast. Okay, so that then when they come in and they need it, they will get it right away. Yeah, I, I know I know the manager of the Yankees had a pacemaker implanted a month or two ago during spring training, and he's a young, active guy. So I guess, you know, it's not just uh, older people who need pacemakers, right? Adam Bourne had it. The yes. Mass. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't get it. I didn't know. Wow. I didn't hear. Wow. Wow. That's new. Yeah, I told you yeah, something new. Yeah. I have a patient, actually, I, I do have a patient depending on the way I implanted as young as 30 years old for people who need it and it changed their life. I, I remember one of the pacemakers I implanted when I became attending, a patient was having pauses while they're sleeping and uh, uh, the sleep they were having nightmare and they didn't know why the nightmare come. We put a monitor, we saw that the heart's like for five, six seconds, the heart is not beating. So we put a pacemaker and guess what? The nightmare disappeared. So the person was waking up middle of the night thinking having nightmare, but technically he didn't have a heartbeat. This, I'm not saying every nightmare can be treated with a pacemaker, but certain people can get it. But 
I'm, I'm, I implanted even devices in younger patients. I remember uh, one of the younger person I implanted was 20 years or 22 years old. But that was a, wasn't a pacemaker, it was a defibrillator. But some people do have need to have. Unfortunately, some young, young, very young baby, when they're born with some uh, not heart problem, they need to have a pacemaker as young as day one. So, which I don't deal with it, but it's a disease doesn't know age, Steve. And, and, a, and a pacemaker can, can last how long typically? Okay, so the all the devices that we plant, it's a, it's a, it depends on the usage, okay? So let's go to our example. People who only need the pacemaker, for example, to go to heart stop five seconds a day, okay? They only need for five seconds, okay? People who the heart doesn't beat at all, so they need it every beat. They need it 24-7. Most of our, the technology that we have is very amazing. So most companies give you an average of 10 years for the battery to be changed, which is a very simple procedure. We came in, we take the old pacemaker, we put a new one in, within like half an hour, a person go home the same day. So on the average, to answer your question, most devices last between 7 to 12 years. The average 9 years, uh, they get it. And then the flash is getting more better and better because they want to avoid changing devices. So the battery lasting around 10 years, 9 years. And again, depend how much the person use it. And it depends on how much energy need to beat the heart. Every person is different, but that's what we see. Okay. So on average, to be on the lower side, seven years. To be on the higher side, eleven years. I would usually give nine years, but that's uh, the way. It become part of the body. They don't know it's there, and they live with it, and they don't even know. And become very small now that people don't even know that they have it. You know. Yeah, yeah. My my mother in law is ninety four years old, and she just had a pacemaker put in in the last year or so, and it's changed. She has a lot more energy than she had before. You know, she seems a lot more with it cognitively as well. So it's really made a huge difference. Yeah, because the heart wasn't beating fast enough. I see it right away. A lot of time, our patients, people who need a pacemaker, the older population. We're talking about they're in the 70s, 80s. They come in. They're very somnolent. They don't talk to us. The minute we give them the heartbeat during the procedure itself, they wake up and have a conversation during the procedure. Where they're from, what they do, and this you can see it right away because all what we did, we make sure the blood goes to the brain, and when the blood brain, they do feel a lot better. What the right. cause for them, like some is also hard, but we do see it right away. Right. Okay. Well, Doctor Bedgadi, thank you for a few minutes today. I know you have to get I'm back to work. To. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. And I hope those people they see this and see come to our hospital to 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 help them out. We do have a, a very good, you know, supporting staff. We do have we can get tests done here and we can help them every day. We we open twenty four seven as they say. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us at SBH Bronx Health Talk. For more information on services available at SBH Health System visit www.sbhny.org. Until next time.